0: Hello and welcome to the Food Safety Dish, a production brought to you by the Local Food Safety Collaborative. I'm your host, Captain Calvo. The Local Food Safety Collaborative is a cooperative initiative established between the National Farmers Union Foundation and the FDA with the goal of providing training, education, and technical assistance to local food producers to ensure good food safety practices and compliance with the Food Safety Modernization Act. National Farmers Union is a grassroots farmer-driven organization that believes strong family agriculture is the basis for thriving communities. NFU's membership includes over 200,000 family farmers and ranchers across America. Farmers Union's grassroots structure promotes locally initiated policy priorities and educational topics established by their members. Learn more about National Farmers Union at www.nfu.org. <laughs> Today, we will be diving into the science and practice of cleaning, sanitizing, and optimizing hygienic design on your farm. I'm joined by Chris Callahan, the Extension Associate Professor of Agricultural Engineering at the University of Vermont and Director of the Northeast Center to Advance Food Safety. His work focuses on the application of the engineering practice to food systems. Specifically, he engages with food producers, processors, and distributors to improve efficiency, quality, safety, and cost control through integration of technology, systems integration, and process controls. Welcome to the Food Safety Dish, Chris. Thanks
1: for having me, Catherine, nice to be with you.
0: Yes, this is our first in-person interview, right. yeah. which is exciting great. as well. So we can dive right into cleaning. The first question is, why should we be cleaning things? What does it mean to clean something and how often is necessary and how often is just nice to clean things?
1: Yeah, great question, one that comes up a lot. Um, You know, actually, the best way I've learned to think about this comes from my colleague Andy Chamberlain at UVM. And he's got a really great way of just getting to the point in super simple language. Mm -hmm. And the food contact surfaces that we are all most familiar with are the ones we eat off of. Mm -hmm. And so if we start thinking about food contact surfaces as dinner plates, it helps Mm -hmm. think about how we should be cleaning things. What does clean look like? How frequently should we be doing this? So you know, Andy asks, would you eat off of that?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and would so, you eat off a shoe? Right. Probably not.
1: <laughs> so the question of frequency, on the other hand, really really comes down to what that surface is and also that specific farm or handler. And it's really an individual and organizational decision to be made. It also can depend on the crop that's mm-hmm. being that's being rinsed. Um, but you know, you can establish some just basic benchmarks. What mm-hmm. you know, what does clean look like? Um, it, you know, and when when does something appear to need cleaning? And that's something you can standardize in a pretty pretty simple way. And
0: oftentimes with just photographs mm-hmm.
1: of uh, what what something should look like when it's clean, what something might look like when it needs to be cleaned. The uh, the proto safety rule also gives us three three specific requirements for those who are covered by the rule. There are sections 116, 123, uh, D1, and 123, D2, and so 116 basically gets at the fact that all food contact services, we need to ensure they're clean, Mm and 123 gets at um, equipment and tools and the maintenance as well as clean. you know, I think it, it, a lot depends on what the surface is and this this idea of concept of zones that mm-hmm. is introduced by the safety alliance grower training is a really helpful way of prioritizing as well mm-hmm. so that we don't need to clean everything all the time. What, is, what are the mm-hmm. pri- priority areas, zone one, food context. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. That's really helpful to think about. Can you talk about the science of soap? What is it and how does it work exactly?
1: So we have 45 minutes, right?
0: about we can go awesome. over we can edit it okay. so <laughs> <laughs> you could talk you say you no, could talk
1: I'm about for a long time <laughs> well I, I find i find it super interesting um yeah soap and detergents uh more broadly that i think of them as chemical magnets hmm. and they're they're it's it, they're really interesting are molecules that have a bias hmm. in this case it's a good bias on one end of the molecule they're attracted to water mm-hmm. on the other end of the molecule they repel water. Mm-hmm. And so, what that lets them do is serve two purposes. They can pick up uh, things like dirt mm-hmm. and soil on the one end that generally repels water. And on mm-hmm. the other end, they are attracted to water and mm-hmm. they go with the flow.
0: Go with the flow. So,
1: they pick up yeah. what we don't want on the surface and they go with the flow. Mm-hmm. So, in that way, I just find them super cool, um, chemically speaking. Um, and you know, if uh, listeners want to learn a little bit more on this, there's a we have a blog post at go.uvm.edu/detergents, and there we have a YouTube video embedded that really gets into this in a really fun visual way mm-hmm. that um, maybe for people who um, don't necessarily visualize chemistry on a daily basis mm-hmm. would, would find it helpful.
0: Very cool. So, is soap the same thing as detergent?
1: You know, for for our purposes and for most uh, growers' purposes, yes. Okay. Um, you know, uh, soap is just a specific type of detergent. It has to do with mm-hmm. how it's made. Mm-hmm. Um, all soaps are technically uh, fatty acid salts, and that's just a type. Of chemical, mm-hmm. and it uh, it works as a detergent, so it has okay. that, that, yeah. that good bias. So
0: Very good. I guess I'm curious to know, so if, you know, we're carrying away those pathogens and the bad stuff that we don't want, and it's, it's water-soluble, is that what you're saying, or it's on the other, I don't know if I'm getting this correct, yeah. but um, okay. I guess I'm just wondering, like, where does that all go? Like, it just goes back into the water source, and it's just, like, this big pool of, well, like, dirt, like, how does... Really good question. Yeah, I how does, focus. does it, what is, where's the does it cycle again or does it, where does it go? I yeah. guess
1: that's so, my question. So, you know, when we're using soap and detergents, we're not necessarily targeting pathogens, mm-hmm. right? We're, okay. we're targeting soil and, and other dirt and debris essentially. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's what we mean when we talk about cleaning, right? Mm-hmm. We're using some detergent and water to get at get at those things. And so, right, you got it, you got it exactly right. That molecule has that stuff on one end mm-hmm. and it, And it's attracted to water on the other end and that's why we rinse
0: Mm -hmm. okay Uh, rinsing with
1: water brings brings that stuff away where does it go really good question (laughs) where does it go where does it go let's think about where it goes on a specific farm right so Mm -hmm. we've got a a greens wash sink and we go through and and wash our greens and then we wash that sink at the end of the day and clean it Mm -hmm. with detergent and water and rinse it down Where it goes depends on where the drain goes Mm. and so one of the things we we work with throws a lot on is being very intentional about those drains Mm -hmm. and thinking about where that goes for one thing we don't necessarily want it at our feet
0: Mm. because
1: that Mm -hmm. can be an uncomfortable place to work
0: right um and it can also
1: result in potential Mm cross-contamination so can we get it outside the building Mm. that'd be cool Mm -hmm. we can do that we're outside the building let's avoid some traffic areas right let's avoid production areas and let's avoid bodies of water Mm -hmm. like give Mm -hmm. give that discharge a chance to percolate into the ground Mm -hmm. have the nutrients that are in there in the form of what we've just washed off right um come back up as new growth new vegetative growth
0: oh interesting so it just kind
1: of like recycles itself yeah that one caveat to all that is always check with your local jurisdiction sure. to yeah. see what's allowed and what isn't
0: yeah <laughs> that makes sense yeah. what are some common misconceptions about cleaning and sanitation that you've encountered with
1: growers the the, the terms are often mixed up mm-hmm. you know, or um considered to be the same thing mm-hmm. and uh if anybody out there remembers module six of the psa grower training it's one of my favorites through mm-hmm. um, <laughs> the four steps of cleaning mm-hmm. and sanitizing mm-hmm. And the reason those slides are in there is to specifically break this down. Mm. Cleaning is distinct from sanitizing. We clean to remove dirt and debris. We sanitize to reduce pathogens. Mm. Yes. And so they work differently. We talked about how detergents work. I think we're going to talk about how sanitizers work. Mm -hmm. But real quickly, they chemically attack Mm. pathogens. They attack the cell membranes of pathogens through oxidation. Yeah. And so we want they work differently. We need to give them both space to work differently Mm -hmm. so cleaning is one thing rinsing sanitizing air dry typically but this drying step is actually really really important Mm
0: -hmm. can you do them both at the same time or does that kind of not work
1: so you know this is one one point of confusion uh so thank you for bringing it up you would try to say you can't sanitize a surface that hasn't been cleaned Mm -hmm. all right you know you got to clean before you sanitize and that's 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 generally presented to make sure that people understand that the separate intense mm-hmm. that said there are products on the market that are cleaner and sanitizing mm. in one you know for example a there are alcohol wipes right that are on the market and they are labeled as being effective for cleaning and sanitizing mm-hmm. in one step so yes you can clean and sanitize in one step household mm-hmm. <coughs> bleach is
0: mm-hmm. actually
1: actually has a labeled use for cleaning and sanitizing mm-hmm. as one step so mm-hmm. you can um the question is is it the appropriate approach right. for what you're trying to
0: do yeah, you so, might not want to be cleaning vegetables with bleach.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Probably right, not. Right, right. or if you've got really stubborn um, soil, mm-hmm. you got to get at that with a detergent, hmm. right? As mm-hmm. a set, you know, in some scrubbing as a as a dedicated specific step, and then a separate dedicated intentional yeah. step of sanitizing.
0: What are good ways to choose the right detergent then?
1: So, and you can go, you can you can really go down a rabbit hole looking mm-hmm. at detergents. Sure. Um, and so there's there's a lot out there, and and in particular when you look at um, extension publications on uh, detergents mm-hmm. for say the food manufacturing world. So different detergents for fats and greases versus soils and whatnot. And they and the reason those are different is that chemical bias that we mm-hmm. talked about. Fats and greases are one thing, soils are something else, and so their detergents have been tailored for specific uses for the vast majority of produce growers um, an unscented household dish detergent is completely adequate Mm -hmm. Uh, we're talking about removing the things that tend that we tend to be removing from dishes Mm -hmm. so you know again just thinking about what we're trying to do and unscented undyed is helpful because we don't want to introduce odors Mm -hmm. or um, colorants dyes
0: yeah that makes sense so there's both dry cleaning and wet cleaning. Can you distinguish between the two and when the best times are for their respective uses? And is that different from cleaning food contact surfaces and the produce themselves?
1: Yeah, so first thing I wanted to be super clear, we're not talking about the dry cleaning we use for our suits
0: mm-hmm.
1: or dresses. <laughs> uh, I, I just couldn't come up with a better term to apply to this. Um, it can be a little bit confusing, but we're, we're talking about the opportunities to clean uh, without introducing water. Right. The opportunity is to rinse produce or clean produce without introducing water. Um, so let's start with the produce. Uh, <clears throat> you'll find I'm a, a bit obsessive with my word choice. Okay, um, that's but, fine. <laughs> but, so bear with me, but produce is generally rinsed, brushed, mm-hmm. or wiped. Mm-hmm. Um, we're generally not washing or cleaning it because we're not applying a detergent, sure. typically. Oh, okay.
0: typically yes.
1: Um, uh, so... So that, I try to be careful that way. Um, so, you know, it's uncommon to have it a detergent applied to produce, right? And that's mm-hmm. COVID YouTube yeah. world aside. Yeah, right? don't right.
0: trust everything you see <laughs> online.
1: <laughs> um, you know, so the decision about rinsing produce really ought to be driven by your cons- by your customer or your buyer. Mm-hmm. What do they want? So, for example, I belong to a winter CSA. All the produce I get in my winter CSA comes to me unrinsed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So... Mm-hmm. And that's great. The grower that I buy from communicates with all the CSA shareholders and says, This is what you're buying into. Mm-hmm. This is what you'll want to do when you get it at home. Right. So that's happening at home. And it's from my perspective, that's a beautiful thing mm-hmm. for our for our, our market. I found that many growers tend to approach post harvest handling and rinsing produce, you know, based on what how they've learned when they started learning to farm. Mm-hmm. And so, maybe that's from their parents or grandparents right. at a family farm. Maybe it's from a farm they apprenticed on. And we're not always digging deeply into why. Mm. And so, you know, the use of water for rinsing produce sometimes just comes along for the ride. Mm-hmm. It's what we do. Yeah. And so, there is a potential to, to opt out of that.
0: Mm. You know? could save some time, some energy, some resources. Yeah. Yeah. What um, are some things that don't need to be washed?
1: So, I mean, literally everything in my winter CSA. Mm. So, winter-grown spinach and lettuce, mm. and kale. Um, you know, is coming to me not rinsed, and so mm. I take a look at it and determine if it needs right. to be. You know, and for winter greens production, the high tunnel, right. pretty low grit levels on on greens, which is great. Sure. Um, you know, certainly root root crops. Yeah. Uh, you know, don't don't need to necessarily be uh, rinsed. So. There's a fair bit that I think can get away with without being rinsed, based on some market communication. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, talking about food contact surfaces, there are a couple of key points to dry cleaning food contact surfaces. One is thinking about what that piece of equipment or food contact surface generally sees. Mm-hmm. Is it is it generally wet when used? Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, a sink.
0: Yes. It's going to be full
1: of water. Right? Yes. A stainless steel table where boxes are marked mm-hmm. and labeled? Probably not. Mm-hmm. So, you know, thinking about how the, how it's typically used and also recognizing that introducing water to a food contact surface can actually be introducing a problem, mm-hmm. right? Do we know the quality of the water? Is it safe in the back with sanitary quality? And so it's worth giving some thought to it and asking, um, asking why we're doing that. So not all cleaning needs to include water. I referred earlier to a oh, an alcohol wipe. Mm-hmm. So the, there's an alcohol wipe that can both clean a surface and sanitize a surface mm-hmm. in one step. No water. Right. It's an alcohol wipe. And that alcohol dries into mm-hmm. the air um, and you haven't introduced water. Mm-hmm. So that, that can be nice. Mm-hmm. And yes, yeah, so handling and packing areas that are
0: generally dry may benefit from just a dry approach. And that could be alcohol wipe it could mm-hmm. be a dust broom mm-hmm. no, so an alcohol is a dry approach yeah. because it evaporates yeah. it's
1: waterless i should yeah. say yeah yeah so, yeah
0: <laughs> okay even though it's technically liquid right. Interesting. right right yeah
1: yeah so it's it's a way of keeping water out of the process okay um but brushes brooms, vacuums mm-hmm. um well-controlled compressed air mm. right we don't want to create more problems by spraying yes. something up into right. the air but uh, for hard to reach places on pieces of equipment. I've seen compressed air used really well to get mm-hmm. rid of dirt and debris. You know, mm-hmm. uh, how are you going to do it otherwise? Right. So, yeah. And then waterless cleaning products mm. can also be helpful.
0: Great. Well, that leads me right to my next question. Can you share some methods for dry cleaning delicate produce and herbs? And do they need to be cleaned?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I think you're, the second part of that's the most important. Mm. Do they need to be? Right. Um, and are they is that best done maybe by the consumer or user?
0: Right. And how long would you say that if you're not washing the things or cleaning the things that don't necessarily need that, like how long does that extend the produce life of a lot of items?
1: Yeah. So with delicate herbs and greens and and whatnot, you can actually avoid some mechanical damage by not Mm -hmm. rinsing them. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I know growers who have chosen to really focus on getting the temperature Mm down. Oh, Just okay. to the proper optimal storage temperature right. as opposed to spending time rinsing. And sometimes rinsing is the best way to do that. Mm-hmm. If you've got cool water, you know, that's much more effective mm-hmm. than something sitting in a box in a cooler. Um, but forced air cooling
0: mm-hmm. could
1: mm-hmm. be an option for some of these things as well. So um, yeah, I have seen growers really get extended shelf life by avoiding excessive um, handling mm-hmm. of, um, of delicate crops. I, I should also just quickly mention we, we have a resource on dry cleaning as well, mm-hmm. um, specifically about what we just covered, and that's go.uvm.edu mm-hmm. slash
0: cleaning. Nice. And there's a lot of other resources there as well. Yeah. Uh, the UVM website, so you can go check that out what kind of tools should be used for these tasks? Is it okay to use the same tools for both kinds of cleaning or better to have separate tools for different functions? What would you recommend?
1: Yeah. So first thing is to really think about whether the tool makes the job easier Hmm. because what we're really trying to do is make sure the work gets done. Right. Make sure the cleaning gets done. And so, you know what, and and try different tools on, try, you know, Hmm. and talk to talk to peers about what they're, Mm -hmm. what they're using. Um, and does it work for the job and then the other thing is to think about whether that tool is cleanable mm-hmm. and so it not that it, you know it doesn't necessarily need to be hygienically designed but is mm-hmm. it reasonably cleanable and that gets to your your second point about you know using the same tool for different places and different functions i think um a small diversified farm it, it is going to try to make the most mm-hmm. out of and that makes a lot of sense and just thinking about it with you know our risk Glasses on.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: it is using this tool for two different things in two different places introducing additional risk, mm. significant risk. You know, it, I think it'll depend. I, I certainly, you know, one one example that comes up is having a broom and a dustpan for the floor, mm, right? And maybe color coding that red, mm-hmm. and then having a a hand broom and a dustpan for your onion sorting one. And mm-hmm. having that be a different color. Right. So they're never, you know, and making sure everybody's yeah. aware that the red one is for the floor. It yes. should not be used on yeah. the main table.
0: Yes. So. And it seems like color coordinating is a pretty easy and obvious way. Yeah.
1: Super so. easy. Um, there are standards for it in the produce world. And um, we have that standard along with a whole series of tools that um, Andy has reviewed on our on our website as mm-hmm. well. And we can share that in the show notes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And I guess the other thing I should say, Catherine, is if sometimes you know, I think especially cleaning tools, we often don't know what we don't know, hmm. and we don't know what we haven't seen. Sure. And so one of the things we've spent some time doing is really collecting lots of different examples. And if people are interested in window shopping, we have uh, I think 13, 13 uh, short videos, less than a minute apiece mm-hmm. each, highlighting different cleaning tools. Mm. Um, so people can quickly yeah. see like um, you know what, what some options are right
0: you've tested them all already and he has yeah
1: and it's interesting it's you know there are there are tools that is, are designed for one specific purpose and you think oh that's exactly what I need for doing this job and then you go and try it and it's mm-hmm. like no this isn't working but, you know so mm-hmm. trying something else and you know so actually trying some, some different, different mm-hmm. tools and I know. Um, a number of my extension colleagues and uh, I know um, local food safety collaborative folks have actually gotten some of these tools and we'll mm-hmm. sort of walk them around, and mm-hmm. do a show and tell, and try. Yeah,
0: so. yeah, just trying them out and see what you like the most and what makes your life the most streamlined. Yeah. I guess
1: the, the other thing to recognize there is different people have different ergonomic needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and with cleaning tools, boy, it becomes really clear really mm. quickly. Um, there's one brush that comes to mind it's got about a you know a 16 inch handle on it and Mm -hmm. it's meant for being able to reach you know um further away places but the minute you're trying to hold that out on it you have no power Hmm. over it you know and so you actually have to hold it up at the head of the brush oh that's useless yeah right (laughs) didn't need that so
0: interesting Let's see. So we've talked about the difference between cleaning and sanitizing. Is there a difference between sanitizing and disinfecting or are they the same?
1: Thing? Yeah. So, and the way I, I, the way I tend to think about this is, is as all three. So cleaning, mm. sanitizing, disinfecting, and this really came, this really bubbled up for me in, in the midst of COVID mm-hmm. and getting a lot of inquiries from growers about, you know, what's the dose for disinfecting? Mm. You know, like, let's let's rewind a minute mm-hmm. and you know let's pump the brakes <laughs> what, what's going on yeah. why are you disinfecting so and the you know the cleaning is about removing germs dirt and impurities mm-hmm. from surfaces and um you know we use soap uh, uh, detergent water typically to, to physically remove so this is physical removal mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. dirt and debris and you'll get some germs to go along
0: mm-hmm.
1: for the ride. <laughs> some, 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 micro, yes. <laughs> some microorganisms um sanitizing chemically lowers the number okay. of uh, germs pathogens on surfaces and these are these definitions are uh, from cdc sure
0: and uh, so sanitizing is always a chemical process
1: no you can okay. also sanitize using like irradiation for san- yep, yeah radiation um UVC mm. light um, can okay. can can be used as uh, sanitization as well. So there are other ways, but what you're what you're doing is you are physically damaging mm. the um, the microorganism. Okay, and, and you know, and it's the key here is sanitizing is doing that to a level that's safe, okay, as judged by public health. Like
0: ninety nine point nine
1: percent. Yeah, so it's not completely. <clears throat> you're not you're not sterilizing. Right. not getting rid of everything but it's like getting it to a safe level mm-hmm. yeah you know, generally accepted safe level disinfecting really goes at all of that and okay. you know kills germs on surfaces or objects um it, it you know again it's generally a chemical approach and it it doesn't clean dirty surfaces mm-hmm. um, or remove germs but it kills them okay and it um, and it, it's intended to lower the risk of spreading infection so, when to do it. Mm -hmm. When to do each of these. We've talked about cleaning and Mm -hmm. when to when to clean. Usually it's like you know when something needs to be clean. Right. Right. We can tell that visually. Sanitizing, you know, it's helpful to introduce a clean break Mm -hmm. between today's work and tomorrow's work. Right. So that you know we we've we've done our cleaning and we're gonna sanitize to to bring it to the next level. Disinfecting I think of in terms of when I know something's been contaminated. Okay. That's when I want to clean and disinfect. Right. And the difference in terms of what you do is basically the dose. Okay. And so when you if you were to smell a mix of
0: bleach Hmm. mixed for sanitizing and a mix of bleach mixed for disinfecting. Okay. Drastically different. Like it's significant.
1: Okay. So very, very different concentrations. But I, I like to draw the line at only go for disinfecting when you know you've got
0: okay. contamination. Yeah. So what are some examples of just like known contamination? So
1: human feces on food right. contact surface. Yeah. Or animal right. feces. Sure. And yeah, no, also like bodily fluids and stuff. Bodily fluids. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, like the example that came up during COVID is I had a worker who was in in, in my pack shed doing mm-hmm. their, their working all day. Right. Called me at 6 p.m. that night, tested positive. Yeah. Okay. okay, well, Time we can to... make an assumption here that some of these services are contaminants.
0: So. Right. Yeah. Hmm.
1: That's helpful.
0: So how can growers streamline their hygienic processes by design? What tools and equipment should be a priority, in your opinion, and um, what is something that's like maybe not as necessary? So... This is an area I love to dig into with growers, and um,
1: I really enjoyed developing a specific resource to help growers mm-hmm. out. It's a, a guide to hygienic design on produce farms. Mm-hmm. And what we've done is boil it down to five principles. It's making sure you have visible and reachable surfaces, mm-hmm. making sure they're smooth and cleanable surfaces, avoiding collection points, so any places mm-hmm. where water or debris you can collect, ensuring that you're using compatible materials, meaning materials that aren't going to introduce their own
0: mm-hmm.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. chemical hazards, but also are compatible with your cleaning and sanitizing approach that they're mm-hmm. not gonna wear out over time because of cleaning, for example. Right. And then overall preventing contamination. So where to focus this? Certainly start with Zone 1 surfaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, zone 1 being any food contact surface. Mm-hmm. Um, and the we have a, um, a checklist that we've developed that that Walks walks you through doing this assessment, and it really starts. It really helps focus on the zone one surfaces. Then talks about zone two. Then talks about zone three and zone four. Mm -hmm. So, um, certainly, food contact surfaces. If you're trying to differentiate between food contact surfaces and where Mm -hmm. to prioritize, I think it comes down to the crops. Mm -hmm. What crops are the most, you know, have carry the highest risk,
0: and 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 start there. So. We have a slew of resources available for hygienic design mm-hmm.
1: um, guidance for growers. Um, there's a, a blog post, a, a video series, checklist. Yeah, so hopefully that's helpful to folks. Help mm-hmm. And that's at go. slash hygienic design.
0: Yeah. yeah, go to uvm.edu. Yeah. They're going to give you all the resources <laughs> you could ever think of for cleaning and sanitizing what would you say are some major pitfalls to various styles of handling setups like improvised wash packs, stations, under tents, and what are some of the common risks associated with these things? And also what can growers you to address these issues?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I think there's an unfortunate tendency to think that to do, to do things in a produce safe way, you really need to invest a ton of money mm-hmm. and have permanent structures. And, that, and I, that's just not the case. I, you know, in some ways avoiding additional, Equipment and structures can actually avoid additional maintenance mm-hmm. and clean uh, burdens. So, mm-hmm. so even you know, you know, improvised wash pack stations can be done really, really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the pitfalls I think are you know there there's inexpensive and then there's cheap. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, doing something inexpensive is possible without it being something that becomes its own maintenance burden mm-hmm. and takes you away from doing the work that you're trying to. Do do to produce food mm-hmm. um so i think sometimes there, there can be a tendency to want to go with a really low key easy setup thinking saving some money and and then what you find out is you're spending a ton of time chasing mm-hmm. a tent down that mm-hmm. got blown away
0: every day <laughs> right
1: you know and so a number of girls we've worked with you know have justified doing a more permanent build of a mm-hmm. wash bag. just looking at The frustration and stress and labor associated with some of that. Mm -hmm. The other thing that comes up is, like you asked before, where does the water go? Right. So thinking through how a permanent setup or semi permanent setup can allow you to really manage some of those other concerns Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is important. I think there's also labor efficiency and just just health and wellness. Mm -hmm. You know, is the setup supporting? the uh, comfort of the people doing the work right, and the safety of the people doing the work so produce safety all aside we haven't even talked about produce safety yet on that you know like does it work for the people
0: sure yeah Yeah. because they're going to be doing the work and you know it helps to be happy and comfortable when you're doing that what you're just saying reminds me of the something one of my old roommates said to me once which was buy nicer buy twice and that has been something I mean in different situations it has kind of haunted me more or less because I've had I bought a lot of things twice (laughs) but you know I guess sometimes you know, know knowing I guess where that line is between buying something that's adequate and will work and it is inexpensive Versus something that is, you know, the cheapest possible option that, you know, you might have to, yeah. you will have to upgrade at some point or have to maybe replace things. So it could be a worthwhile thing to invest maybe just a little bit more.
1: I, I think this is another area where, you know, peer-to-peer learning mm-hmm. is probably really, really important mm-hmm. and in talk, talk with fellow growers yeah. and, and see what what they've learned right. in their decision-making yeah. process. Uh, everybody's got different Capital available, totally, and, and and things like that, right? But, yeah. and
0: what works for other people, yeah. Learn from other people's, yeah. trials and tribulations, I, and and don't
1: get, you know, don't get too caught up in all of the beautiful videos and case studies that are out there.
0: Hmm. You know, yeah,
1: um, what in the in the case studies we develop, we try to really drive home that this is the product what we're showing is the product of a long-term planning process Mm -hmm. iterative development it's taken you know and it's still not perfect right and Mm -hmm. and and, and so and and growers have the growers being highlighted have sort of you know made mistakes along the
0: way. sure and it can take many years to get to that point too for
1: some growers don't you know i I think don't necessarily look at that as what you need to be it's an example of what you've
0: done sure yeah And it can be different for, I guess, all sorts of operations, like what works for some people may not work for others. And so
1: real quick, the other thing that that's probably really important in any consideration planning for a wash pack is
0: involve as many of people on the team as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Everybody is is having, everybody has a different lived experience. Everybody has a different work experience. Mm -hmm. Um, So people
1: have different needs and different Perspectives on what can work. So mm-hmm. um, it, it, that's something I've seen just really pay back
0: right. every time. Collaboration so, is usually a good thing.
1: Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yep.
0: That's great. Do you have any advice for developing standard operating procedures related to cleaning, sanitizing, and disinfecting, or also hygienic design
1: yeah. on your farm? Yeah, so it's kind of a scary thing, yeah. right? A, a standard operating procedure
0: yeah. sounds ominous. Yeah, it sounds so fancy. It sounds like, it sounds
1: like a lot of work, and you know, um, I, I don't know anybody who got into growing produce because they wanted to write things down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: not, not i mean a couple of people maybe but uh so start simple mm-hmm. start simple pick one thing that matters to you mm-hmm. and focus on food contact services mm-hmm. start with own
0: one yeah right?
1: think of it as a recipe mm-hmm. so this yeah. is this is how I, you know when i do this as a workshop i i have the whole room go through mm-hmm. like, write down how you would make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich sure yeah and we get together and we share and you know it's it's fun because everybody takes a different approach sure
0: yeah and
1: what somebody focuses on so you know it's like yeah. Well, i have somebody and <laughs> somebody recently say like you wash your hands and then you go get two knives they like two knives <laughs> any <laughs> well, kind you, of knife you don't want to cross contaminate yeah that's yeah. so, yeah, one for the peanut butter one, I'm like wow that's, that's wow and then, yeah. you know another person's like, well, it depends who I'm making it for. I guess, yeah. Right? What peanut butter am I using?
0: Right, so, chunky. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> but,
1: you know, for, but thinking of it as a recipe, what what is the recipe yeah. for how we do this job? I think it lightens it a bit. Mm-hmm. And that is essentially what we're trying to do. Yeah. Right? When... The recipes we cherish, right, are the things we care about. That, when done well, right, are joyful.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, and you want to do it again, yeah, right? Yeah. And share it. You know, right. grandma's right. standard yeah. operating procedures. Absolutely, grandma's she did it really recipe, well. <laughs> grandma's
1: recipe for cleaning the three basins. <laughs> you
0: know, Works wanna, every time. Yeah, I'm
1: sure, that happens right
0: every, <laughs> Right every
1: day. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, don't get too hung up on it being a document,
0: mm-hmm. you know, let's
1: consider visual and photographic SLPs. Oh yeah. What does this sink look like when it's clean and done? Sure. Yeah.
0: Pictures could be very helpful yeah. for yeah. cleaning, sanitizing. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And are there SLPs that actually don't even, don't even need to be a, a process? Hmm. I have a rack on the wall, it says clean tools. Right. I have a rack, a basket on the other side of the sink that says dirty tools. Right. That's pretty, SOP is done.
0: Pretty intuitive. Yeah, yes. right, for that
1: part. And, you know, cleaning them is a different matter, yes. but we can make a recipe for that. Right. So I, I like to think about these things as recipes, keep it simple, mm-hmm. uh, update it as needed, solicit a ton of feedback from people who are involved, because what I think is clear about making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich is not yeah. going to be clear to
0: somebody Yeah, um, that makes so, sense.
1: And then... You know, if by involving as many people as you can, it really gets to how standard is the thing you think is standard, hmm. right? So if you mm-hmm. think it's obvious, right, that you would use this water and this detergent and this tool to do a job, right? How does everybody know that that's a standard? You know, just because that's what you've assumed, yeah. Um, and maybe it's not. Maybe there are other alternatives. So right. Also, it's never perfect sure so they're,
0: they're dynamic they're always maybe yeah, yeah they have a work in progress
1: just like grandma's recipe hate to yeah. say it yeah i've modified my yeah you know yeah so yeah
0: yeah you can do things a little differently yeah. and improve yeah and, nothing and, and, is set in stone yeah. yeah yeah that's good advice you've talked a lot about resources but are there any other resources you could point us to help implement good cleaning and sanitizing practices
1: so a couple of a couple of sort of Clearinghouses, if you will. One is uh, the, the food safety resource clearinghouse, mm-hmm. um, which is hosted by Northeast Center for Advanced Food Safety, but is a national resource. And that's a place, it's a one-stop shop for people, projects and publications to be shared mm-hmm. across the country. The other is our ag engineering site, which is go.edu.edu slash A-G-E-N-G, Ag Eng. And in particular on that page, you'll see a specific on that site, you'll see a specific page called the Scrub Project Page. S C U R U B, sanitizing and cleaning resources for your business. That's a recent uh, USDA Food Safety Outreach Program funded project, specifically focused on this. Mm-hmm. And you know, and then um, the other resources I've, I've mentioned earlier, and we can list uh, for people to get at. Mm-hmm. But we have some. We have a guide to cleaning. Sanitizing and disinfecting. We have a bunch of resources on cleaning tools and supplies. Guide to detergents and the guide to hygienic design. Mm I think those would be most relevant.
0: Yeah, there's sounds like there's plenty of resources out there for people to go and watch videos, read fact sheets, you know. There's probably no music about cleaning yet, but maybe. <laughs> well, so, one some... you should ask. <laughs> yeah, <You> actually. <laughs>
1: Andy, Andy does have um, a podcast, which uh, is The Farmer Share, mm-hmm. and that's a long-format podcast mm-hmm. where um, Andy visits with, with growers and yeah. oftentimes cleaning and sanitizing is coming up.
0: Mm-hmm. So. I've heard about yeah, that yeah, one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. And,
1: and anybody, I mean, certainly reach out to local food safety collaborative mm-hmm through the uh, FU. And if anybody needs to reach us, UVM, uh, that's uh, A-G-E-N-G at uvm.edu. Mm-hmm. Right
0: all right. Yeah. Do you have any final advice or words of wisdom on the topic of cleaning to growers that might be listening?
1: Uh, you know, I, where, where I, where I always land is, I think we all know what clean looks like. Mm-hmm. We don't need to overthink this. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've all had that roommate who doesn't but by and large you know how did we know that they didn't right right because we had a standard Mm. and so i think just you know take it easy you know this Mm -hmm. right and we know what clean looks like we know when things should be cleaned if you have questions on sanitizers and how to use them and what they are
0: Mm -hmm.
1: uh, reach out yeah Uh, it's not it's not unknowable by any means Mm -hmm. it's not overly complex We we can get there together
0: yeah yeah, now everybody knows how to wash their hands because we've right. had a global <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. if you can do that, you yeah. can also clean other things yeah,
1: too. No to <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> battle.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on our show. And I think this will be, I, I feel like I learned a lot. So I think hopefully this will also be very helpful to people that are tuning in. So Thanks,
1: Catherine. Thanks for doing the
0: podcast. Yeah, and you can find more resources at go.uvm.edu. If you are interested in learning more about NFU and the work that we do, check out our website at www.nfu.org. And finally, thank you to our sponsor. This podcast is supported by the Food and Drug Administration of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services as a part of a Financial Assistance Award, to u one fd 6921 3 totaling $1 million with 100% funding by FDA HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the views of nor an endorsement by FDA HHS. HHS or the US government. I'm Kevin Kavanaugh and this has been the Food Safety Dish. Until next time